Live from the Lincoln Douglas Building in downtown Quincy, the only local show taking a principled stand on the issues of the day. This is how it happens. It's the natural process of things. The view of the entrenched is predictable, but it's also erroneous. With Sean Seacrease. We have an addiction in this country, not only to government welfare and government handouts, but more fundamentally to other people's money. And Quaid. Again, you're dancing with government. This is the morning meeting. You cannot continue to advocate for status quo when status quo has run the ship aground. On Talk Radio 930, WTAD. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning. It's already Wednesday. This week just seems to be yeah. flying by, rekindling a battle with the paper of record. That's how the president-elect spent at least some of his time. Who's in trouble but has had his sentencing delayed because he needs to go on an international business trip. Still good to be one of the elites, even when you're in trouble. Hmm. And plenty of Illinois issues to break down this morning, including House Speaker Madigan wants to negotiate a new stopgap budget for the state of Illinois. That the governor and his team have come out and said, you didn't even make the meeting on Monday. No, we're not going to go that way. And maybe <laughs> yeah. the biggest headline <laughs> is that the uh, Illinois Labor Board has ruled against AFSCME And uh, they have now declared an impasse in contract talks, which does give the governor the right to impose the new terms of that contract. I think the the last best offer, Mm -hmm. I think, is uh, how he he can go. And to be honest with you, that last best offer isn't bad. No, it's not bad. But uh, you start playing sort of word games and and cherry-picking percentages to make things sound bad. And that's what uh, AFSCME has been doing lately. As the rest of the state suffers, uh, they want to continue to live their gold-plated life. And it looks like that's not going to continue to happen. But we get things started this morning with a bit of a change-up. We usually save him for the oh-so-salty third portion of the show. But life has interfered today, and he is uh, actually standing by, I believe, on the tarmac, ready to board his flight. Travis Aiken, executive director of ILAW, joins us early on the show today. Travis, thanks for getting in touch with us and changing your schedule. What have you been up to since the election? No good. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably why they're flying no. you out. Uh, we uh, Every year we have a conference um, with uh, I go to with different uh, lawsuit reform advocates and, and uh, coalition leaders across the country. And that's what I've been doing this week. And it's, it's interesting and fun to learn about what's going on in, in uh, other states. Uh, we actually had some, some good news to talk about from uh, Illinois for a change. So it was uh, even, even more fun uh, to be a part of that annual uh, conference. When you get together at the conference and, and you guys get hungry, does KFC know to fill up the bucket all the way so that you guys don't sue? <laughs> yes. Well, we we were at a at a at a, at a place with uh, where there was no KFC in sight. So, but uh, yes, they do know to uh, if we order it to fill it up properly. <laughs> there is an ongoing case right now that a uh, lady has claimed that she was cheated on her chicken because the bucket wasn't filled to overflowing, quote, like it is in the commercial. Travis, this is part of the, even though this wasn't filed in Illinois, to me, this is the mascot 
for lawsuit abuse in this country. Just frivolous crap. A case like this, uh, it's a poster child. I mean, I put this up on our on a, the uh, Illinois Lawsuit Abuse Watch uh, Facebook page with uh, some sarcastic comments about how ridiculous uh, a lawsuit like like this is. I mean, it's a twenty million dollar lawsuit that she she she's filed because she she wants to uh, ex- you know, take her pound of flesh out of the company because she didn't get it in her mind enough ch- uh, chicken and. And people at the company, before she filed the lawsuit, offered to give her some gift certificates and free chicken and other things to try to, you know, she was a disgruntled, unhappy customer. They did what any reputable business would do. They tried to make it right, and she rejected that and decided, oh, I'm going to go uh, file a lawsuit for the quote-unquote principle of the matter. Well, you know, since when has greed uh, become a principle in uh, in our great country? And uh, I think... um, yeah, it's a ridiculous, ridiculous lawsuit. Yeah, this uh, lends itself to the slippery slope. I mean, how often does anything ever look like the picture? I mean, at some point in time, if you buy this argument, somebody's going to sue Tinder. <laughs> oh, uh, it, it, it's absurd. I mean, they they and they admitted, look, we we make that bucket look as inviting as as possible on TV, so you can see what's inside. Uh, you, you know, it's a marketing thing, and you know you're you're getting you're getting your money's worth for, and it's chicken. Come on, <laughs> I mean, how, how much chicken does one person need? <laughs> well, you don't have the right to determine that in a free society, Travis. <laughs> we get to determine the own our, our own amount of chicken that will make us happy. But this is this is a fundamental disconnect. In all seriousness. We know in advertising that they are enticing you and it's going to be different than the actual experience. And whether it's chicken or whether it's Tinder and somebody has probably conflated the two by now, this is just part of being an adult and operating in this world. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I, I, you know, I, I think that this case shows just kind of where we are as, as a society and, and, you know, I find it interesting when I talk, go on a radio show like this one and talk about lawsuit abuse or have an op-ed published, uh, you, know, you know, the personal injury lawyers fire back and say that uh, lawsuit abuse is just made up, that it, that it doesn't exist, and um, I'm trying to put a, put a lock on the courtroom door and deny people their, their due justice mm-hmm. and you know, and then you have cases like this that, that show the truth. Yeah, the, the, there are ridiculous, harassing, annoying lawsuits that should never be filed. Uh, it, it, some lawyer working for KFC is going to have to spend time, billable hours, making this stupid lawsuit go away. And it, it's, um, it, it's ridiculous. It should never be brought... Uh, Filed, filed in the first place. I mean, it should be immediately laughed, you know, laughed out of the courtroom as soon as something like that shows up. Quaid, I'm wondering but, if we have grounds to sue Travis because he just said when he goes on other shows like this one, we know there are no other no shows other show like, like this one. So we may be able to get somebody to take us, you know, maybe pro bono once they look at our financials and uh, and and defend us from Travis's tragic claim. Is there, tra- Travis, is there is there any hope that a judge upon seeing this land on his bench 
uh, takes a look at this and says, you know what, I'm going to save everybody a whole lot of time and money and uh, go ahead and uh, state that the the, uh, the lady in question here who says she didn't get enough chicken, it doesn't look like the picture, go look at the Brady Bunch episode where we learn about caveat emptor. This is time for a callback from a previous show from uh, perhaps last year. Where is Sherwood Schwartz when you need him? <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things that I've talked a lot about with, with you guys is um, the importance of good judges. And uh, judges do have the power to dismiss the, the, these cases. Uh, and too often you have judges who kind of pass the buck and leave that on to somebody else to make it to be the adult and, and make the, uh, the decision to dismiss these, these crazy lawsuits. I mean, you know, I'll give you an example. I mean, there, I don't know if you recall, um, a few years ago, there was this uh, ridiculous uh, dry-cleaning lawsuit where a, an actual judge, I mean, the ju- he was a judge, had a lucky pair of pants that he said a, a dry-cleaner um, company got uh, ru- ruined or lost. Uh, anyway, they offered to buy him a new pair of pants, give him uh, a couple thousand bucks for his time in trouble, but he... He's, he insisted, you know, these are my lucky pants, and I, I want my pants, not some other pants. And uh, so he filed a $54 million lawsuit. Uh, the uh, uh, family who owned this dry cleaner ended up spending well over $100,000 in attorney fees defending themselves against this ridiculous abusive lawsuit before it finally went away. Uh, and that's, uh, that's not right. I mean, they, they tried to make the, the situation right with the guy. He just used every legal trick in the book to keep this case alive. And, and his buddies, uh, ju- other judges, let, let it happen and, and robbed this, this, this poor family uh, of over $100,000. They ended up closing at two locations. They ended up closing one of their locations because they couldn't afford to stay in business anymore. I mean, that... You know, so all of the people who work there, um, people who got their clothes dry clean there, will no longer have access. I mean, this is the kind of nonsense that happens when judges fail to do their job. But we had some good news here in Illinois because uh, the uh, personal injury lawyers dumped millions of dollars into the two uh, appellate court races in the 5th District uh, and tried to get some of their preferred candidates elected, and uh, the people said no. And they, call, they, uh, they said that the, the personal injury lawyer money uh, was toxic and they weren't going to buy what the personal injury lawyers were selling. And uh, they elected um, two, uh, two judges to the appellate court who spent a fraction of, of what their, their opponents uh, spent thanks to the uh, tr- personal injury lawyer money being dumped in at the last minute. So we, we, we do have some hope in Illinois that we can have some good judges who will stop these abusive law- lawsuits. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it takes education. It takes coming on to this show and other shows that may or may not be like this show <laughs> <laughs> to uh, call people's attention to what's going on in our judicial uh, branch of government. And that's what, that's what we are here as a, as a watchdog uh, group. And uh, we're, we're going to continue to sound the alarm and 
Uh, we, we think that uh, what happened on Election Day in Illinois, at least in the 5th District, um, is good news uh, for, for the people of Illinois. Travis Aiken, executive director of ILaw, proving there that he is mentally light on his feet with us this morning here on the morning meeting. Travis, you talk quite a bit about the importance of doing due diligence on judges prior to the election last week. Uh, what's your sort of post-election grade or feeling about how the state of Illinois was served at the polls? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that in uh, Southern Illinois, uh, in the fifth district, we had we had some good things happen. But in uh, in Cook County, uh, you had a judge, uh, a woman who was elected judge. She was a, a clerk who ran for uh, ran for judge. She pretended to sit in as a judge prior to to the election. Actually, made some rulings on some cases, which is illegal because she was not actually sworn in as a, as a judge, and she got elected. <laughs> so, uh, all right, Cook County. You know uh, this. Uh, it, it's a uh, so we still have a, a lot of problems. You know, you look at Cook County; they have over four hundred judges in that circuit, and it's uh, it's people don't understand. All the judges um, uh, who are on their ballot, um, you, you could have, you know, as many as fifty or sixty retention questions alone uh, on your on your ballot in Cook County. So we have a lot of work to do to get people in in in, uh, in that part of the world educated on how um, to number one vote in those uh, uh, retention and elections, uh, but also to kind of learn a little bit about what they're doing when they actually go go to vote. Because, I mean, it's just absurd. You shouldn't elect someone who pretended to be a judge and violated, you know, she's um, ridiculously unqualified to serve. And yet she got elected. Travis Aiken of Illinois Lawsuit Abuse Watch, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. I want to take it back down to uh, Southern Illinois. Uh, Travis, uh, we had the couple of judges who were trying to circumvent the retention system, uh, I think it was uh, Barasevic and who else was it? Um... Robert, Robert Lachine. Le, Le, okay. There, there was one, one other, um, but that uh, uh, that election, was there was no uh, opposition in, in that election. The only two were uh, candidates, Ron Dubert, who ran against um, Barasevic, and... Um, Trying to remember the other person who ran against uh, Robert Robert Lachine, the, the name escaped. Oh, but I, I got it pulled up. Kaysen? Yes, yes. Uh, thank you. I, <laughs> uh, that race uh, looks like um, you know the election hasn't been certified yet, but he's got a pretty Lachine's got a pretty uh, sizable lead. I don't see that changing, and uh, Dubert has a pretty sizable lead, and I don't see that changing. Uh, once all the absentees and everything are, are finally, you know, tallied in, into the final certif- certified vote. There's just not that many mail-in absentee ballots anymore because we've changed the law in Illinois. You can vote absentee for any reason now, and so people who want to vote absentee usually get those in um, a lot earlier, or they just go early and vote early. So. Um, we don't have as many mailed-in absentee ballots as we used to. 
Travis Aiken, our guest this morning here on The Morning Meeting. Uh, Travis, when you look at the legal landscape right now, we just have a moment left, and I know you have to catch a flight. Are we moving in a direction for Illinois that is going to send a signal to a, a wider legislative body? There's been all kinds of wrangling at the state capitol over a, a, a new stopgap budget and so many other things, but the the little moves that were made by voters, whether it was uh, taking some seats away on balance from the Democrats, whether it was electing these certain judges, do you think the mood is changing in Illinois? I think absolutely it is. I mean, I, you, you know, in, in, the, in the Illinois House, uh, House Speaker Michael Madigan uh, lost lost four seats. Now, you know, he still has a majority. He's still going to be Speaker Speaker of the House. Um, but I, I, I think voters have spoken. They, 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 are, they have rejected the uh, business-as-usual politics in the state of Illinois. They, they want change. That's, that's why Governor Bruce Rauner was elected in, in the first place. And uh, it, it's... It, it, it's time that that uh, our leaders in in Springfield listen to what the voters are saying. We we want term limits. We want a fair map. You know, we want lawsuit reform. We want these things that um, you know that um, and we made that we delivered that message uh, in 2014, and we delivered it again in in 20 and 2016. And uh, I I think it's it's time for people to start listening and. And, and start governing uh, the way that the people want. We're tired of this this nonsense and, and spending money that uh, the state doesn't have and putting uh, ton, tons of pressure on, on uh, the taxpayers who uh, are still here. Uh, we, we see businesses pack up and move all the time. And uh, it, everywhere I go, people are, they just roll their eyes when you bring up state government and what's going on there. And uh, so, you know, in your, in your neck of the woods, uh, Jill Tracy comes back to the legislature. And mm-hmm. She's been a champion of lawsuit reform when she was in the House. Uh, I look forward to working with her and uh, State Representative Randy Freeze and, and others to, um, to get the kind of reforms that we need. I, I, think, I think it's a real sad day that after all of this, uh, the speaker still refuses to sit down and, and talk about what what needs to be done. You know, he's just one man. There are um, 118 legislative uh, districts or you know representative uh, districts in, in the state of Illinois. They all have their own representative, and uh, you know they, their voice deserves to be heard just as much as as Michael Madigan's does. And uh, I think it's important that we uh, that he finally, you know, listen to what we, ha- we, we the voters, have to say. Because we, we sent him a pretty clear message uh, on November 8th. Travis Aiken. I don't think it was received, but we, we sent a message. Travis Aiken, <laughs> Executive Director of the Illinois Lawsuit Abuse Watch, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Enjoy your flights. And, and next time, Travis, we'll get caught up on the uh, MyPillow.com uh, class action suit. Oh, yes. I, I definitely want to talk about that. that that's uh, I, I have a my pillow. It's great. I love it. And uh, what they're trying to do to this company is just makes me mad. We all need somewhere <laughs> to rest our head and our legislation, apparently, and our 
our, our lawsuits along the way. We'll fluff it up so it fits everyone. Travis Aiken, Executive <laughs> Director of ILaw, our guest this morning on the morning meeting. Thanks, Trav. Enjoy Thanks, the Travis. flight. Thank you. Coming up uh, next on the morning meeting, Quaid has said that the Democrats don't have a very deep bench. What they may need is someone with a Jesus complex to save them. And that man has announced he's willing to try. We'll cover it next on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. I mean, this stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. That was extended Travis, the remix. I had no idea that he was excited about uh, the MyPillow.com. If I'd have known that, we we'd have gone there sooner. Time. Yeah. yeah. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrease, the thread killer, Quaid, with you this morning on the morning meeting. In an interview with the BBC, Yeezy has confirmed <laughs> that he minute. will run in 2020. When I talk about the idea of being president. Now, when president, you say he's going to run, you mean he's going to get up early and try and shed some pounds. Yeah, he's going to run for president. Oh! You said the Democrat bench wasn't deep, and what they might need is a, a rapper who often uh, uses Jesus symbology when he's on stage to come and be their savior. I don't know quote, that I use those words. but Quote, I, when I talk about the idea of being president, I'm not saying I have any political views. I just, I don't have views on politics. Quote, I, I, I just have views on humanity, on people. And on the truth, there's anything I can do with my time that will somehow make a difference while I'm still alive, then I'm all for it. That's, That's really right. Rapper, vague. mogul, and uh, self-styled fashion designer Kanye West has said that he will run for a white for for, for the White House. I told you. It's even it's even <laughs> got me tongue tied. <laughs> Producer Josh was on it. <laughs> told you in 20. This, this so, is our life now. Okay, so yeah. now we're talking about a primary that includes Oprah. Tom Hanks, The Rock, and Kanye West, and The Rock. It's going down. Now, you don't know that they're all going to be running for the same party's nomination. Uh, do you really think that uh, any one of those four? We, we know that Hanks and Oprah have been mentioned as right. The only, the only one that I'm not sure about would be The Rock. Um, so I, do you, do you re- I just want him to run as The Rock instead of Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson, right. No, he's got to be The Rock. Yeah. The Rock gets elected. Dwayne yes. Johnson? No. He's, yeah. He's just a guy who played college football. Yeah, The Rock, that's a difference maker. He was named Sexiest Man Alive. Yeah, The Rock was. Yes. Dwayne yes. Johnson. So add it to the list. We need to keep a list of all the outrageous okay. uh, announcement for president uh, for, uh, all, for, for all over the map. So Oprah, Tom Hanks, The I'm, Rock. I'm marking it now. And Kanye. I'm, I'm going to need a bowl of popcorn for this. This is going to be good. <laughs> this is going to be good. The Rock. And Kanye. Kanye. West. That's what it's come to this morning on the morning meeting. Hey, right. DNC, this is what you got happening right well, now. Well, and, and, okay, and this, I'm going to dovetail this with, uh, and we'll get into this for just a second. We'll run this just a little bit long. J.B. Pritzker, uh, he was once mm, yes. rumored to be in line for a possible cabinet job if Hillary Clinton had won the presidency. He's a Chicago venture capitalist billionaire. Sound familiar? Mm. And uh, he's now being approached by Democratic leaders in the state to run for governor. Uh, uh, Pritzker reportedly is considering the idea because he sees Rauner's two years 
as failing in his job to manage the state. Well, he hasn't been able to get anything done mm-hmm. because of the obstructionist politics of the Democratic Party who are refu- who are covering their ears and yelling, ah, we don't want to change, yeah, even though space. the state is changing around them. So Pritzker hasn't said yes or no, but if you, if you put, it, it might be odd, well, okay, uh, Oprah's a, a billionaire, reportedly, with, with Pritzker, and that opens you to entertainment, which gives you Tom Hanks, The Rock, and Kanye. You put all of these people in a boat, they all have something in common. And I think this speaks to a larger thread that we'll spend a lot of time talking about on this show, which is every time somebody is mentioned right now, and I know we're just past the election, what are we getting? Not traditional political names. These aren't people who have served in government, people who have served the public sector. These are outside private sector names that keep being mentioned. And did Donald Trump open the floodgates for this? I think the answer is absolutely yes. Well, Trump may have burst the wall down, but there are other people from the private sector who have entered the the political realm prior to, and you don't need to look any further than Springfield. I mean, Mm -hmm. Rauner preceded uh, Trump. And well, this has been possible on a state level. You've seen Jesse Ventura elected governor of Minnesota, Arnold elected governor of, of California. But on a, on, a, on a national level, we really haven't seen this before. And no, put your hand down if you want to say Ronald Reagan, because he was this very successful governor of California mm-hmm. before he ran for president. I, I think it's interesting, though, because the Democrats here in the state uh, said that it was uh, wrong for Rauner to you know, spend his own money to do this. As opposed to, you know, getting funds from mm-hmm. certain unions and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, to put towards an election. Rauner completely outspent the Democrats this last election. So what was their response? We need to go find our own billionaire mm-hmm. who can who can spend his own money. Yeah. I, I th- and maybe that's a, a positive step forward I- in the end. I think we're going to debate that for a long time on this show, but we've got a long run up to 2018. All right, coming up this morning on the morning meeting, which liberal is now advocating for mob rule and why the governor is about to decide on a huge contract that will affect your tax bill coming up next on the morning meeting. Where we go, others will follow. That's who we are. Even if it's not the best idea. The morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. This is Dennis Miller, and you're listening to The Morning Meeting here on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. It's The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you this morning. Aaron mm-hmm. Baker, Axiom Strategy, is going to be with us tomorrow. And I'm looking forward to this one. I've got a story saved here. Uh, yes, Claire McCaskill has declared herself an underdog for re-election Wait a minute, what? in blood-red what? Missouri now. Oh, 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 okay. Because Missouri is so deep red, yes. she considers herself endangered. So we're going to talk to Aaron Baker from Axiom Strategies how, about How that. many years has Claire been in office? Oh, it's, it's been a little while. She's endangered. That's what she... Well, I need... It, Whatever you what, got to do to get into that mental space, I guess. Well, and but that's right. And, and say what you will about the way that this country is voted, uh, the, the, the political landscape. There is one thing that still unites all Americans. And we love an underdog in this country. Because we were such an underdog to become a country. Sure. 
And, and, and it's that one thing that I think unites so many people. We love a good underdog story, and she's already staking out that ground for her campaign that will probably begin about a year from now. Uh, and, and it'll be – he might be worn out about it. He may not want to go there, but we, we, we need to start to have that conversation with Aaron about uh, people to be on the lookout for who – This is his job. He's will not challenge. I know, but we're still – we're still trying to recover. We're still in the hangover phase. Yes, yes. from <laughs> last week. So to and I know that as soon as you bring up next election already, people are like, seriously, this is what this guy does. We have him on. Claire says this. It's our job to follow up on this particular story and and ask him these questions. And he's going to have the inside track. So it's no use on us speculating on it right. until he gets here. Claire actually said that it was. I think it was yesterday I saw that. So we'll talk to Aaron Baker, Axiom Strategies, about that tomorrow. The Illinois Labor Relations Board unanimously ruled yesterday that an impasse exists in contract talks between the state and Council 31. This is AFSCME, American Federation State, County, and Municipal Employees. This has been the going back and forth between the two. AFSCME, here's here's the situation. AFSCME has, because of the Democratic preference for getting their political money from unions and other organized labor entities here in the state, they are used to being repaid, asked me, for giving that money by getting an outsized increase to their contracts. This, this is, is how it works. They're, yeah. they're essentially, and if this wasn't politics, people would have the vision to say, well, they're buying those increases. Mm-hmm. They're paying for the politicians to be elected who then give them those increases unopposed, everything they want. They're just buying their benefits. Now you have a situation where that tradition has been challenged by the governorship with Bruce Rauner's win in 2014. And he is trying to make some common sense fiscal reforms to the state. And that includes not just rubber stamping 7 8% raises continued uh, uh, health care to completely at the expense of the taxpayer, uh, a 37-hour work week after which you get paid overtime, and a, a variety of other uh, contract perks that have a lot of people scratching their head. I mean, this isn't even something, what, what they've been able to put together isn't even something that looks like it's from this era. And congratulations for them for having a vision and executing on it, I guess. I don't know what era it is from. Right. So uh, ask me now in the, in the position where the governor can dictate uh, the terms of the Nest contract and use the last best offer. Uh, Ronner spokesperson Catherine Kelly uh, said, quote, as a result of the agreed-to process, the state can now implement its contract. We plan to save the taxpayers more than $3 billion over the next four years, we will be reaching out to AFSCME to partner with us as we consider how to best implement the new contract. AFSCME, for its part, gave them the finger and plans uh, strikes and demonstrations around the state. Not going to go over well. We've no. touched on this uh, no. several different times. When, when the people in the state, the taxpayers in the state find out the details mm-hmm. of of this like we say i'm not sure what era these things come from when the taxpayers see that and go you're going to strike because of what it isn't going to end well for afsme 
Um, and, and and in the end, the governor will end up with more clout yeah. than, than he has currently. Here's the, how some of the numbers are being tortured here. Aspie is so used to its guaranteed raises that you should talk to some teachers and see how this has gone for them. Rauner is asking them to take a four-year wage freeze as the state tries to catch up on its deplorable fiscal condition. Uh, Aspie has said they're looking at a 100% increase in employee health insurance costs. They're paying next to nothing now. So a doubling of almost nothing, nothing is, is still, still a almost nothing. That's right. the, you know, I, I, I've done the proof. It, it's actually a pittance. So we have to look about actual numbers there. And AFSCME is also fighting to keep their 37-and-a-half-hour full-time work week rather than go to the conventional 40-hour work week. And here's the, here's the double stick it to the taxpayers. Not only are you paying them full-time pay for 37-and-a-half, but if they work an extra half hour, so their overtime starts at 37-and-a-half, not at 40. Yeah, that was uh, one of the things I noticed online in, yeah. in a thread where people were arguing back and forth about this is that they were like, but I work over 40 hours, and they said, and you get nice overtime. And I'm like, somebody gets overtime? Right. Overtime? <laughs> right. right. Uh, well, well, now, Seriously? Hold on. hold on. You knew when you got into this industry that the FCC long ago had classified us. Actually, I, 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 I learned it at, at an school. integral service, right. and so there is no special, overtime. There's a special rule. There's a, there's a special waiver for this industry. Yeah. Integral service or something but, like that. It falls under that umbrella. Yeah, but but again, this is that you, we talked about people being out of touch. Hi. Yeah. Ask, Ask me, me. Take a look around. They're planning statewide picketing at state jobs tomorrow. Bad decision. To quote, draw attention to that contract dispute. Now there's one more Bad avenue. Decision. There's one more avenue to this that that I want to quell before people start uh, getting tinfoil hatty. The Labor Relations Board in the state of Illinois is appointed by the governor, but only when openings come up. There's a five-member board. Governor Rauner has appointed two members and reappointed two others who were initially put there by Governor Quinn. Mm -hmm. So Governor Quinn, the the board is three-fifths Pat Quinn appointees. One's term hasn't come up. The other two were appointed by Quinn, and Rauner put them back on the board. Mm -hmm. And then in two other openings, he has two new uh, members on the Labor Relations Board. So this board is still three-fifths Pat Quinn appointees. And they all agreed. And they all agreed five that this nothing. was at an impasse. Right. So let's let's take this whole, uh, he's stocking the, the, the Labor Relations Board and, 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 you know, forcing this. This is 5-0 and 60% of the board was Pat Quinn appointed. Yeah. So let's just stop that in its tracks right now. Um. Okay. There... No, I'll leave it for now. That's fine. So that's that's the big the big news uh, that's rattling around the Capitol today. The other news, uh, Speaker Madigan, who was too busy for the leaders' meeting on Monday, and then he tugged on the leash for John Cullerton and told him not to go to the meeting too. Uh, they now have said that, well, if we stay within the framework for a spending plan for the next six months – you know, that we used before, we can probably get something done. What they're saying is, is that once again, we will not acknowledge the results of this election. We will not acknowledge the further reddening of the state. We will not acknowledge the governor and his plan and the mandate that he received by being elected on a statewide basis. We're going to continue to allow one bullheaded man who's elected by a tiny fraction of the populace continue to set the pace for a failing economic state. And he is rejected the governor's call to uh, look at a balanced budget. 
And the governor has been very upfront. Even during when he, the time that he was running for office, he never said that tax increases were off the table. He has said that they could be part of the solution, but the solution also included other things such as reforming workers' compensation, uh, property tax relief, redistricting changes. He wants to talk about term limits, an area where he and I disagree. But this is a part of an overall pie mm-hmm. that needs to be put together for the state. And you could see that uh, Madigan being obstructionist again in this endeavor. Uh, I think, you know, uh, the governor's plan, and I don't know to call it a plan, there, there's lots of different areas. And I think he's just staying open to trying to not block himself from mm-hmm. a, an avenue to get where or to get closer to where the state needs to be. And I think he's just trying to keep a lot of these uh, things open and malleable, you know, so he doesn't say, no, I'm hard on this and this is not going to be a way we do. Then you limit it and people can defend a much smaller gap easier than if they have to spread themselves out further to defend the status quo. We'll keep an eye on this as it continues to move forward. Yesterday was the first day of the veto session. That session's already been shortened from its originally scheduled six days. Senate President John Cullerton announced that they wouldn't have session tomorrow. Now you know why. What does that dovetail with? The Ask Me Plan protests. So the Democrats don't want to be in session while that's going on. Uh, No one voted to override any Browner vetoes yesterday. There you go. Uh, Also, uh, one thing I wanted to point out, and actually this was on uh, Politico, of all places, uh, this morning. uh, Strange Bedfellows, the uh, ACLU, and the Illinois Policy Institute uh, are teaming up against uh, forfeiture, asset forfeiture policies uh, in Illinois. Wow. When you absolutely positively have to have some strange. The ACLU (laughs) and the Illinois Policy Institute. Yeah. They they say that uh, from 2005 to 2015... uh, Law enforcement here in the land of Lincoln uh, seized more than $319 million in property and cash uh, from I- individuals uh, using the, the, the system that's in place that doesn't require any criminal charges being filed against anybody, mm-hmm. let alone being convicted uh, uh, of anything yeah, to that's justify a the seizure. That's a problem. All right. So this is when we, we, we talk, and I know that this is a sore spot for Sean, the policing uh, for profit uh, mm-hmm. that we've talked about in the past. Now you've got Illinois Policy and the ACLU teaming up. We'll have to reach uh, out to somebody on that and, and delve more into that coming up here on the morning meeting. All right, next, we wrap it up with a call for anarchy and mob rule. What? And why the clarion call is coming from one elite liberal senator. That's next on the morning meeting. Giving conservatives a voice in the tri-states. We missed stuff moves people. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. WTAD. That's it. We're going to have to call Coach K and let him know the boy was out. It's the morning meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD. He'd be all right. Sean Seacrest, Quaid with you. (laughs) Maybe. You never know. It's hard to open the gate and just let a bunch of All-Americans in every year. (laughs) Um, Are we a democracy in this country? And are now people realizing we are not? And they kind of got their hackles up because they didn't understand what America 
really was. Calling South Park. South mm-hmm. Park, line one. Mm-hmm. What? Is this America? I thought this was America. That's right. Retiring Democratic Senator Barbara Boxer from uh, California. She was the one, if I remember correctly, who told us uh, we had to pass it before we could read it when it uh, came to Obamacare. She was a big pusher on that front. Uh, She was a huge Clinton supporter during the election, and she is set to introduce a Senate bill that would end the Electoral College. Boxer announced this yesterday afternoon. Uh, She uh, would uh, determine the winner of the presidential elections by outcome of the popular vote. All right. Five times in our country's great history, five times someone has won the Electoral College and won the presidency without winning the popular vote. There's a reason that the Electoral College was put in place. And her cry is to burn the knowledge of history on the fire of a passionate present. And it's also a cry for mob rule. Democracy, mm-hmm. when you talk about one one person, one vote, all that is is mob rule. And history has taught us that while that's great for the 51% to get their way, it is terrible for the 49% who end up being ruled by the whims of a fractional majority. And so our founding fathers put the Electoral College in place in order to do one very important thing, and that was to give voice to all the states. If you look at the population in the country right now, half the population lives within, I think it's like 10 or 20 miles of each each waterline of the east and west. So half the population in the country lives on the coast. The other half lives in the middle of the country. When you look at a, a map, you see that deep red swath all across the country and those blue fringes as urban areas tend to lean more liberal. What this would do, if this, were, if this is put into place and the Electoral College is abolished, say goodbye to ever seeing any presidential candidate here ever. Even, even in, a, in as populous an urban area as Chicago, there would no longer be a need to campaign in those areas. Will smart candidates do it? Sure, but there wouldn't be a need. Now you're only going to see, you're going to think this is flyover country before. Mm. You're going to see New York, you're going to see Boston, Florida, D.C., all along California and Seattle. It, this also, the argument goes against uh, our founding fathers uh, making the case that they weren't as smart as we are today. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't have foreseen how smart we are now trying to undo what they actually foresaw. It's yeah. very, very short-sighted. So this is if we have a representative republic. We use a democratic process to determine our representatives, but we are not a democracy. We are a representative republic. Understand it. Understand the differences. And when you have just one person, one vote, what you're actually advocating for is mob rule. And that's never worked out well in history. That's going to do it for us. Aaron Baker tomorrow and more here on The Morning Meeting. Join us again tomorrow for the best talk in the tri-states. The Morning Meeting on Talk Radio 930 WTAD.